this Vance McDonald thing okay? Did they show enough or really even any accountability for what happened over the weekend? Whew, I don't know. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. You can find our shows on virtually every podcasting platform that's out there. When you do, please do us a favor and set those shows to auto-download. makes a big, big difference to this little business. Mike Tomlin spoke yesterday at noon, his weekly press conference, kind of well-timed considering earlier in the morning the team had announced that in addition to McDonald going on the COVID list because he tested positive for coronavirus, the Steelers also were placing Ben Roethlisberger, Vince Williams, Jalen Samuels, and Gerald Hawkins on that list, even though they had tested negative because of some contact tracing that followed. And I did predict before that in a column that Ben was going to be one of those who was most likely to be put on. Ben and Vance have lockers next to each other on the south side. They're also really good buddies. And, again, if you're doing this out of caution, he's one of the guys that you're definitely going to be careful with. Not because he's Ben, but because of the the proximity. Mike Tomlin was asked – to explain why the Steelers, after Vance McDonald was sick and missed practice last Friday, still allowed to get on the team plane Saturday and still allowed to play Sunday. And this was his response. You know, those aren't decisions that are made by us. It's really cut and dry. It's all in the procedural policy of COVID established in New York by the NFL. Um, As long as he is negative and not showing signs of COVID, he's able to travel, and he was, and we did, and we don't overanalyze it in that way. Um, We utilize all the mechanisms at our disposal to minimize uh, the potential of interaction. Uh, We're all masked up. We're all exercising good personal hygiene and social distancing. We're doing all the things that are asked, and, 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 and that's our mindset regarding it. A little context here. Tomlin has a standard answer anytime somebody brings up injuries or illness and this goes back years this has nothing to do with coronavirus he always says that stuff's out of my hands that decision isn't made by me that's by medical people by doctors by athletic trainers people that are entrusted to do that and he actually governs the team that way he sees it as something that he actually wants to be removed from. So that part of it, I don't take issue with. It it sounds like he's punting the ball as far away from himself as he can, but it's actually just following his norms. That said, that said, when you have a player who is ill and you have a player who is two days removed from a game 
and you have a player who you know for a fact is in frequent and tight proximity with your franchise quarterback, you know what? Maybe take a little bit of interest. I'm not going to blame this on Tomlin. That'd be weird. Okay, so don't don't take that from what I'm saying here. But I will say that a lot of what happens in coronavirus times is best dealt with in terms of common sense versus pure protocol. And that's all that Tomlin went by, by his own words. New York tells us to do this, we do that. When we have a question, we call New York. Vance was cleared. Vance had no symptoms. He got on the plane. He played. That's that. Now they're telling us to do something different, so we're doing that. I'm sorry. That's just not good enough. And if I'm going to rip on the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens as I have emphatically, angrily, I don't feel all that comfortable letting the Steelers slide just because we're more familiar with them. I really don't. I think Tomlin, more than anyone, blew this. I think he needed to step in and say, hey, wait a second, what's up with Vance? You have to understand, when I'm talking about this man's norms and the way he is with this stuff, there are a lot of times that he's asked about someone's status, and he genuinely does not know. He really, really, really keeps that at arm's length. It's not an act. It's not him hiding stuff from us. His whole standard is the standard thing. He lives it, meaning he's moving on to the next player and focused on the next game. That's just how he rolls. But this is a different situation. This is a different time. And what he risked here, even if the Steelers end up getting away with this, with minimal damage and only really missing Vance for this coming week against the Bengals, there's a lesson, hopefully, that's learned from this. There is common sense to be applied. Yes, I will criticize the NFL for only doing their one serious major test, not a rapid test, on Sunday mornings and then giving teams the results Monday mornings. That's idiotic. That has to change at the league level. But when your player is sick on Friday and he's sick enough to not participate... And then you deem him, or someone from the medical staff or whoever deems him to be symptom-free in addition to having tested negative, you know, raise an antenna or something. Ask yourself, look, even if you need to do it in football terms, if you need to be cold and calculated about it, do that. Ask yourself how bleeping important it is to have your number two tight end with you to face one of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm not talking about what actually happened in a game or afterward. I'm talking about at the time. That's the way you're thinking about it. You're not thinking the Dallas Cowboys are going to give you this really tough game. Look at it from a perspective that makes at least football sense if that registers better than a 
health or pandemic issue. So no, I don't like his answer. No, I don't like his response to this. I do like the fact that the Steelers probably won't get damaged all that much by this. Tomlin also made it known that McDonald isn't showing symptoms. Good, here's hoping he's fine. Here's hoping also that the Steelers staffer, who was announced as having coronavirus on Saturday, is fine. Here's hoping that the contact tracing for not just Ben, but Vince Williams, Gerald Hawkins, Jalen Samuels are also fine. And everyone around them is fine. That's that's number one. But somewhere along the line, there can be a mix of football and common sense and coronavirus protocol. And I dare say that this head coach was guilty of not applying two of those three. When we come back, actual semi-pseudo hockey update? start, I was about to call it the 2020-21 season, but it really won't be that because their earliest possible starting date, according to them, is January 1, so it'll just be the 2021 season. But we don't know about that either because there's also been word that was leaked out by the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, Bill Foley, that they're actually talking about February 1. It's just a, a, a weird situation. However, Gary Bettman did speak at a private function yesterday, and as tends to be the case with private functions, everything that he said there soon became public. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They're a personal injury law firm that represents people who are hurt in car accidents, people who filed for workers' comp, people who've made medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. They've been keeping promises right here in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can learn more about them at LGKG.com online or just give them a shout at 888-842-842. Five four five four, And when you do, tell Larry we sent you. Larry will be happy to hear this. So Gary Bettman has been defiantly coy. And if you follow hockey at all, you can actually picture the description I just gave you of him. Defiantly coy as it relates to when the NHL will restart and how. And at this function, he really gave nothing new as it relates to the when. But he did speak about the how. He did speak about the possibility that's been kind of 
leaked out in outlets across Canada that the NHL is still going to find some way to do some form of a divisional bubble or bubbles to try to get through the regular season. And for anyone who hasn't read that, it works like this. The seven Canadian teams obviously have to play in a Canadian division. Ideally, you don't have Montreal and Vancouver in the same division considering the length of that flight. So they would probably get organized or mixed into one or two cities. Maybe there'll be a western hub. Maybe there'll be a, an eastern hub. Maybe they'll all just meet right in the middle at Winnipeg, and I'll go there and cover that division. <laughs> How about that? I don't know. So if you have all seven Canadian teams in one division, that leaves you 24 other teams, 24 teams based in the United States. Simply put, you cut those up into three eight-team divisions, and you've got something. Where will they play? Um, how many hubs will they be? How often will the players be allowed out of those hubs to see their families? Because as everyone made clear after the Stanley Cup playoffs in Toronto and Edmonton, they will never do that again. They will never do that again. The players said they will never do it again. The league heard it loud and clear, and they said themselves, Bettman and Bill Daly, that they will never do it again because of the mental toll that it takes, the isolation and all that other stuff. And I respect that. So what they would do in this case, and this is the part that Bettman did talk about, is that they would play games for like 10 or 12 days at this place, and then, according to Bettman, and I'm, I'm quoting directly here now, you'll go back, go home for a week, be with your family. We'll have our testing protocols and all the other things you need. It's not going to be quite as effective as a bubble, but we think we can, if we go this route, minimize the risks to the extent that's practical and sensible. Again, that was Bettman. So they're already moving toward this. There's no way that the commissioner, who's really careful about what it is that he says publicly, or in this case at a private function that he knows is going to go public, there's no way he says this without them having been fairly deep in such discussions. The people who run the NHL all the way up to Bettman are very, very proud, and not without cause, that they made it through those entire playoffs in Toronto and Edmonton without a single case, not a single positive test on any of the 24 teams, any of the staffers, any of the league personnel, any anybody, not a single positive test over those two and a half months. So you can see where they'd be focused more on that than on, say, you know, revenue or playing in front of fans or anything like that. But but what about revenue? That's not explained here. And when that came up with Bettman and Daly back at the NHL draft, they had a joint press conference via Zoom, and they were asked repeatedly about revenue, and they got, especially Bettman, really defensive. Again, you can picture this, right, when he's in his agitated form. They don't like to acknowledge 
that their league makes way less television money than the other three major professional sports. But it's true. They don't like to admit that they are far more reliant on ticket-slash-arena revenue, whether that's parking, concessions, suites, sponsorships, the whole deal, than any of the other three leagues. But it's true. So if you're the NHL and you're coming up with some plan for short-term hubs, reduced schedule, travel this, stay there for 10, 12 days and then go home and everything else, you're not doing it with revenue in mind. It's not possible. If you're going to a neutral site of any kind, even if you let in a 1,000 or 2,000 fans or whatever it is, depending on the state, you're not making any money other than collecting your TV payments from the local and national networks. That's it. And in the NHL, that pretty much accounts for only about a third. The players aren't going to be playing for a third of their paychecks. They're just not. The players... And the league just signed this summer a five-year labor agreement. It's going to need to be modified. There's no question about it, but it's not going to be upended. You're not going to ask them to give you, well, maybe you will ask them, but you're not going to get them giving you money back to compensate for the games being played in front of no fans. They still have to give the same effort. They still have to do the same thing. Same argument we had as it related to baseball, only that one got ugly. They're still playing the games. They're still risking their careers with every shift. One knee gets blown out and you're done. doesn't matter if there's fans in the building or not. So this, this feels excessively cautious on the same day the ACC and Pitt announced first the conference announced its basketball schedule and then Pitt announced what its limitations will be for having fans inside the Pete and following Pennsylvania regulations and understanding that every one of these things is going to be determined by the individual states or in Canada the provinces in Pennsylvania, Pitt will be restricted to 1,250 people per game. And go right ahead and make all your jokes about how many people were in the building when Kevin Stallings was head coach. That's fine. And that number counts players, personnel, um, security, media, whatever. So it's actually going to be a lot lower. It'll be less than 1,000. I can promise you that in a place that holds uh, 13,000, the Pete does. So PPG Paints Arena holds 18,500. So what will they get, like 2,000? But it's still something. It's not zero. You at least get 2,000 in there, and then as we've seen with football, as situations improve or fluctuate, you can allow a little bit more, a little bit less, whatever it is. But the NHL is not even giving itself that latitude. They're right off the bat 
looking for neutral site hubs. They're looking for a way to just recreate what they did in Canada and to do it down here. And I just don't know that that's going to work. Certainly not from a financial standpoint. When we come back, a little bit of baseball. At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real world experience and career building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. A little bit of baseball to close today. Baseball news, just like the hockey news, is hard to come by these days. The Pirates hired a farm director. That's the old term for it. Minor league director, minor league head of blah, 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 director of player, whatever uh, you want to call it in modern terms. He's the farm director. His name is John Baker. He comes from the Cubs. Uh, very highly regarded. A former big league player of seven seasons. Not of any particularly great repute, but he played the game, and he made it to the majors, and he stuck. And he also was known... And this was more commonly known through the industry as one of those mental skills guys when he was with the Cubs. The Cubs loved him. The Cubs really valued him, Theo Epstein and everybody in Chicago, where they're known for having a, a good, solid system and a foundation for developing their own guys, not just the ones that you know about like Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, the star guys, but uh, other players who've come up through the Chicago ladder. And they wanted to keep him, but the Pirates made a better offer. The Pirates offered to put him in charge of their entire system instead of just crafting a position for Baker as the Cubs had. So the Pirates won out on that one. And I know for a fact that this segment has now been 90 seconds in change, and all you heard from what I said was mental skills. I know, right? There's a lot of people who will roll their eyes at that, like, what? Mental skills? Um, and even if you're aware of them, and if you've heard the term, chances are excellent you know of it in a negative connotation, meaning the people who've done that under Neil Huntington in the Pirates administration. That was the Hoka Hay crowd. It wasn't just Kyle Stark. It was also Bernie Holiday, another guy that was like obsessed with the military. And there were a couple others as well. These guys were so far off the deep end with this military nonsense. And I say military nonsense relative to baseball because baseball is not fighting a war. The only thing that should be equated to fighting a war is actually fighting a war. And these guys were nuts with this stuff. Not going to revisit all that. I'm here to tell you that John Baker is not that guy. He's not. These guys under Huntington, Stark and Holiday and the rest, had 
these peculiar notions, these, uh, what's the term I'm looking for here, these delusions of somehow living out their militaristic fantasies by applying them to a baseball field, when in fact they were actually more versed in that stuff than they were in baseball. Kyle Stark was known derisively by people within the Pirates' operation as the volleyball coach because that was pretty much his resume before he got his first job with the Cleveland Indians and they had him doing work throughout the system that was a lot more related to this military nonsense than anything else. Bernie Holiday's background was much the same. The reason that John Baker is and should be attractive to the Pirates is that he comes with both. The mental skill stuff does matter if it's applied by people who know how to connect it to actual baseball. Josh Bell and I had a good talk about this. It was just a couple months ago and how much help he's gotten through stressful situations, uh, through uh, slumps, through hard times, through staying sharp over the course of a long season. Uh, I hear this from a lot of players. Uh, as many times as I've written derisively about the people who did this under Huntington, I never got a player saying that they didn't appreciate the concept of having one of these people around, of having someone to talk to who wasn't just a fellow jock or a coach. And if you process it that way, it kind of makes sense. These are now available in all sports, by the way, but baseball, uh, as it tends to do, places itself on a special pedestal with pretty much anything that happens in baseball. So it feels like it's a baseball thing. And baseball also has that unique grind. No one else has to go through a six-week spring training followed by 162 games over six months. It's a different challenge. It's also a sport of failure, as the people within it tell you themselves. So I, I like this hire. I'm here to endorse this hire based not only what I've learned about John Baker's own background, but also from the standpoint that he'll be able to embrace not just, I was, gonna, I was about to say both sides of it, meaning baseball and mental skills, but it's also analytics, which he's also known for. If you think of this stuff as a triangle, but you value baseball more than any of it, the only people who can do that, the latter, valuing baseball, are the people who've played the sport, who've loved the sport, who've suffered with the sport. And John Baker's done that as well. So good job by J Ben Charrington and everybody involved with the Pirates on finding this individual. He's certainly a significant upgrade over Larry Broadway and a leaps and bounds upgrade over Kyle Stark and everybody else under Huntington. Thanks so much for listening today. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.